Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. Sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Yo, go Benito, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I'm your host, Michael Leboff, and joining me today, as always, are my colleagues and friends, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. Together, the three of us will handicap all 16 Champions League matches coming your way this week, and we will start with the headliner, a showdown at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea, their minus 150 favorites, taking on Juventus, who are plus 425. The draw is uh, plus 300. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on uh, Tuesday. We'll look at Group H real quick. Juventus is at the top with 12 points. Chelsea at nine. Zenit and Malmo. Uh, Zenit's at three. Malmo's at zero. So they're not going to really factor into who's going to advance out of this group. But this match obviously is huge for both teams. Juventus gets a point. They basically will be the uh, first place team. And that is a big, big deal because then they avoid a lot of the other giants out there. Uh, so there's a lot of game theory. Obviously, these are two very good teams. Anthony, where are you kind of just going with the, the narrative street of Chelsea going to come out and try to play Juventus off the pitch to win and, and nip this group at the, uh, at the last match week in a couple of weeks? Or do you think there's maybe some value going the other way because a lot of people will play into that narrative? Yeah, I'm actually going to follow the narrative here. I'm not quite buying into what Juve has been selling us lately in terms of their performances. They did have a solid 2-0 win against Lazio at the weekend, but there was two penalties. There wasn't a ton from open play. Uh, They they generated nine shots. Uh, They had a late winner against 10-man Fiorentina the week before. They lost to Sassuolo and Verona in the matches before that. Their XG difference in Italy is plus 0.3, and that's pretty bad. Uh, They lost Cristiano Ronaldo from last year and their shot numbers are considerably down. Their attack numbers are solidly down and the defense is pretty similar. It's one of the best in Italy generally, uh, but not, you know, any elite by any elite standard. And so Max Allegri hasn't really made them better. And when you look at Chelsea, uh, we've been trying to get at fades on Chelsea for a while now. I think we we keep losing. Uh, They've dominated in the Champions League defensively. 2.1 expected goals allowed in four matches. The only time they conceded uh, was the match against Juventus, which was right out of halftime on a counterattack. They conceded one expected goal in that match. There was very little in it. Uh, It was a very even game based on shots, possession, expected goals. Uh, Chelsea here, it's a little juicy for me to play the money line. So I'm going to look to get at an alt uh, price here. The minus one and a half is two is two to one. And I know it falls into narrative street, but they do need to win by two goals to win this group. If they win by one Juventus will have, they'll be tied in terms of goal difference head to head, which will then go to goal difference for the group, which Juventus will almost certainly have. So Chelsea will know they have to win by two here. And that's why if Chelsea goes up a goal, you know, sometimes you'll see a team protect the lead. Thomas Tuchel will not be doing that. And I, you know, that's not properly priced into the market here because of, you know, it's just the same number, you know, as, as any other game would be. And so I think if Juve has to come out here, Chelsea is a very capable counterattacking team uh, and they'll be able to get margin here. I just think the way they're playing is a significant level above Juventus and they're going to be able to control this game and get the result they need. So at two to one plus 200, I like throwing some money down on the minus one and a half goals as opposed to laying the juice on the money line, even though I do think they will win the match too and show value on that. 
in my projections, which I have them up around 175. So uh, I'm also high on Chelsea, but I think it's better or maybe more optimal to go after the the, the price. Since uh, their loss to Juventus on September 29th, Chelsea has seven wins uh, and a draw, which is two goals against uh, 16.6 expected goals for 5.1 expected goals against. Uh, there's some, you could definitely poke some holes in the, the schedule. Uh, very soft competition aside from their win at Leicester, which was really, really good. Um, and Juventus also in pretty good form in, just in terms of results, nine wins, uh, two losses and a draw since September 19th. Uh, so I think actually the price is maybe a little too high for Juventus and it could, it could even go higher. I know Chelsea is, is a bear. Um, they're a very good team, one of the best teams in the world, but you are looking at a very talented Juventus team, a team that uh, has has the pieces to to nick a win, a late winner if they need to. Um, and especially if Chelsea does start flinging players forward to try to get the three points towards the end of the game. So I'm probably going to be on the Juventus money line. It, may, it might be a live play uh, as that game wears on. BJ, do you see some value on the old lady or or Chelsea here? Yeah, I agree with Anthony. I like Chelsea. Everything I pretty much agree with everything Anthony said. You know, if we look, you know, from a projection standpoint, uh, looking at those expected goal differentials, you know, events is obviously way down there with Anthony mentioned. You know, Chelsea's at plus two, 12.94 through 12 matches. So, you know, Chelsea's not a 30 goals for four goals against type style of team, but they're still a very, very good squad. And they showed that against Leicester this weekend. And then if we look at UEFA coefficients, England's about 25 ranking points higher. Than Italy, so it's a pretty significant advantage for Chelsea here at home. In that one nil defeat in Italy, you know Chelsea did hold seventy two percent possession. They completed seven hundred twenty three passes compared to only two hundred thirty six for Juventus. Seventeen box entries compared to only five for Juventus. And this was the biggest one was four hundred twenty two touches in the final third compared to just seventy seven for Juventus. So it was very dominating Tuchel type performance. Chelsea just couldn't do anything in the final third. So uh, I think this is going to be another dominant Chelsea performance. Uh, I have Chelsea projected at minus 215. So I agree with Anthony at the minus one and a half is probably a good place that they need since they need to win by two, but I'll take Chelsea uh, minus 150 to win. Uh, the other group H match is uh, Malmo at home. They're plus 270 taking on Zenit, who are even money road favorites. Uh, the draw is plus 265. Making the Europa League probably a big deal uh, for both these teams and the winner well, Zenit is obviously in, in the driver's seat, but the winner could have a have a chance in uh, doing that. Zenit basically just needs a point. I don't really see much here. I think it's Zenit or nothing for me. Anthony, uh, do you have anything on this one? Yeah, you know, uh, the Malmo attempts to try to get on that team uh, in the past, they, they got thrashed by Juventus. They got thrashed twice by Chelsea, uh, only losing by one in the one game, but really we're never in it. Uh, they're, I think they're the worst team in the, the pool in, in the, of the 32. Uh, and every year there's just teams. And I've said this on previous episodes, they're not able to play without the ball uh, because they're so used to bossing their pretty bad domestic leagues. And Malmo is that team. They look so disorganized out of possession, giving up a ton of clear high quality chances. Also making just basic defensive mistakes when put under pressure. Uh, Zenit doesn't really have a path to get out of this group here. I don't really trust them to win this because a draw is a perfectly good result for Zenit. So I'm just going to pass and not watch this game whatsoever. Yeah. One thing, uh, the Swedish uh, first division is coming down to the, the end here because they don't play during the winter and Malmo only has a two point lead over second place with two matches left to go. So their minds might be focused on actually winning their domestic competition rather than the champions league, which they're definitely not going to get out of even to the Europa league. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's, it's Zenit or nothing here for me. Uh, and. Yeah. I mean, when we get to the stage of the competition, there's just so many weird things that you got to kind of factor in and bake into uh, your handicap um, where you don't need to do that is group F where anything can happen. Everyone's playing for, uh, for everything. Basically at this point, man, United's at the top uh, with seven points via real at seven points uh, at Atalanta five young boys at three, they can still obviously get out of the group two. They need to run the table. However, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has got, so this is going to be an interesting one with Villarreal hosting Manchester United. Villarreal plus 185. Uh, home underdogs, Man United plus 150. The Dross plus 245. This is a 12.45 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Everybody's going to be tuned into this one because Michael Carrick's obviously taking over for, for Solskjaer. I think everybody's expecting a really big response from this team uh, after losing to Watford, 
at five to one or, or higher, which we all love that on the Premier League uh, episode last week. I don't think I can go back to Manchester United again. Like I, I know I think a lot of people are too. So I think this number on Villarreal might even get better. The Yellow Submarine could tick above two to one, uh, as people say. You know, Solskjaer's out, new manager bounce. This team is going to be galvanized with uh, Michael Carrick in charge, and they're going to want to prove their doubters wrong. Also, it's very important, but that doesn't take into account, uh, into account that there's another team here, a team that sets up very well in tournaments, the Yellow Submarine, Unai Emery, should have this team well-prepared uh, to sit back and give Man United problems uh, on the counter. I like Villarreal here. I don't think there's any way you can uh, get me to bet on Manchester United at the current moment, uh, even if Michael Carrick uh, is in charge and, and Solskjaer's out. Uh, BJ, what about you? This is a pass for me. I need to see what United actually looks like with Schultz not in charge because they, boy, they looked horrible against Watford. Probably the honestly, it might be the worst they looked all season, which is really saying something because they've had some really bad performances. I'll be honest, I have some projected value on Manchester United here, uh, but I just really don't know what to make of them right now, and I really don't have a good feel on how they're actually going to perform, especially on the road here against Villarreal, who, you know, isn't on the bottom half of La Liga, but they have around a plus five non-penalty expected goal differential. So they've been a little bit unlucky so far, but uh, this is a sit back and wait and see how United responds to uh, Solskjaer getting fired. Yeah. It comes, I think it comes down to trust, right? Like I just can't trust Manchester United as a, a road favorite uh, going against a team that is really good at tournaments right now. And I know it's when you, you think a road favorite, they should be, odds on or something, but no plus plus one fifty. Like they are, they are still the favorite at that number. I think you're getting a good number of Villarreal might not win, but uh, I really like the price here on a, like I said, a very good tournament team, a really tough team to break down and going against a defense that has not been hard to break down. Watford just scored, put up a crooked number against them. So I just, I don't think I can look away right now and whatever it might bite me in the butt. It will eventually as I keep going against them, but I'm going to uh, Anthony uh, man, United Villarreal, the draw, Elsewhere, where are you taking us? Yeah, I'll actually have the write-up for this one on the Action Network. Uh, you can read the full write-up on Monday ahead of the Tuesday game. Uh, it's hard not to look over here. Uh, and I know it's kind of square at this point because they've been leaking goals for weeks. Uh, but I'm not expecting a, a defensive improvement under the caretaker manager who happened to be Ole's second in charge, basically. Uh, and so... I think, you know, we'll see who United hires and I, I'm going to be fascinated to kind of dig into who it ends up being and, you know, what I expect tactically. And, you know, is it going to be Zidane or is it going to be Ten Hag? You know, there could, there's so many options and we'll get into that later. But what this means on Tuesday, Villarreal needs to win this game. A draw isn't not enough because they have to go to Atalanta on the final match. They have to go to Bergamo. They're going to probably need a result there too. So if they only draw here, they're in pretty serious danger of going out. So they have to play more aggressive. Uh, more assertive. Villarreal's defense has been very meh in Spain and in the Champions League. Uh, overall, they conceded more than one expected goal to both uh, Atalanta and to United. They got lucky in the first match against Young Boys to not concede more than they did. There was a bunch of big time misses in a pretty wide open game. Uh, and the thing is, Villarreal can create a lot of the same problems that Watford did, and they're just better. Uh, United had 60% of the ball was outshot 11 to two in the first half against Watford. It's if, if you think about it and remember back to the first time these two teams played, that's exactly what happened. United had the ball. They passed it around, passed it around, passed it around. Anytime they tried to do anything, Villarreal took the ball, ran down the field and almost scored. Uh, De Gea has had some regression, except on penalties, apparently where he's good again at saving them. Um, they've conceded 15 goals in their last five games. Maguire's in bad form. Veron is still out. We're not really sure the Lindelof's status uh, and so you have a lot of question marks about this defense. And the one thing I think we might see here, Jaden Sancho might play more. Donnie Vandebeek might play more. I think that's both good for the over here. Vandebeek is an elite player when it comes to getting into the box, getting shots, adding production from the midfield. We saw when he scored the final goal of the Ole era, which is pretty poetic. Uh, and Sancho is an elite ball progressor, ball progressor up the right wing, but he doesn't really defend. Uh, or track back. So there's going to be vulnerabilities there. I think all of this points to United tries to go out, score Villarreal in this game, get all three points. Uh, and that's why I'm going over to at one minus 120 is out there. Uh, so uh, my projection is 2.64. So not a ton of value on the over, but I think this is a really good look for a game that I think is going to feature a lot of goals yet again up front. 
It's a, and it's going to be a fascinating one to watch the market for because it's a like I said, twelve forty five p.m. kickoff. It's going to have a lot of eyeballs on it for a host of reasons. And uh, so this this numbers these numbers could bounce all over the place. And definitely, uh, uh, if you're a betting nerd and you're into watching uh, the market, definitely probably the game of the weekend uh, in that regard or the game of the week. Uh, the other match, Group F, is Young Boys there plus two seventy five at home in Bern, Switzerland against Atalanta, minus 105 on the road. The draw is plus 290. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff. Uh, so it, it'll be a kind of a funny situation where uh, Atalanta will, and, and Young Boys will know the result of Villarreal and uh, Manchester United before the game, which could play into things, obviously. Atalanta is two points behind the two teams at the top. They'll be gunning for it. And this is a team that, you know, what that's what they do anyway. So it's uh, their natural game state, you could say. But I think, Young boys are not without a, uh, you know, hint of interest for me here. Like this is a team that beat Man United in the opening week of uh, Champions League. It seems like three years ago right now, but uh, at home could be, uh, you know, Atalanta does give up chances going the other way. They've been in decent form. Uh, La Dia though, 4-0 and 2 in their last six in Italy with uh, two expected goals created in three of those of their last four matches. So their offense seems to be firing, but I think, this is going to be a back and forth match because the young boys obviously needs to win. So it could be a fun, you know, it would be a square over. Could be a fun one though, to go that way. BJ, how are you playing this one? I actually kind of agree. And I think that young boys has a shot here to at least get a draw. You know, yes, they got completely dominated by Atalanta in that one zero win. Atalanta won unexpected goals, like 2.8 to 0.1. Young boys did nothing going forward, but as we've talked about, this Atalanta defense is not where it's been in years past. You know, 1.22 expected goals allowed per match this year. That's regressed way up from about one uh, the past two seasons. They're also 13th in Serie A and big scoring chances allowed. So I think we'll see, you know, maybe a potential for young boys to actually get forward and see some of those chances they created, you know, against Villarreal. And they've just been much better at home than they have on the road. Uh, they created 2.74 expected goals against Villarreal and 1.43 against Manchester United. And on the road, they haven't really done anything. So uh, I do think that it's going to be a much better offensive performance because they have to go for it too. There is no hanging back, you know, trying to play for a draw and then go, nope, they have to absolutely go for it 100%. So uh, I have Atalanta projected at plus 129. So I do think they're, a tad overvalued at minus 110, so I'll take Young Boys plus half a goal at minus 105. Anthony, last weekend you played an Atalanta under. It's a pretty scary <laughs> bet. Uh, are you going back to the well here? You want to tell them the final score of that game in case you missed it? Oh, it, was a, bas- it was a basketball score, right? It was 5-2, not 4-1. <laughs> it was 5-2. Oh, it ended 5-2. Um, <laughs> that was an all-timer. Uh, yeah, there was like a goal in like the eighth minute, and then Adal- like it, it was a deflected off the post. And I said on the pod, like if Spezia scores early, we're, we're cooked. And they did. Uh, and we were cooked. There was a penalty, then there was a retake. It was absurd. Way awful call. Worst call of the weekend. Uh, I lean the under here. I understand that. Uh, I Atalanta created 2.1 expected goals in the first leg between these two teams back in Bergamo, but a lot of that came very, very late in the game. Uh, Atalanta struggled. They only had four shots in the opening 40 minutes. Uh, they had one big chance off a set piece early in the second half. They scored their goal from it. And then they dominated the last 10 to 15 minutes, brought on some more attackers, tried to get more goals as they always do. Uh, if you want to look here, I think it's towards young boys or the under, I show a tiny bit of value on young boys, almost nothing though. Um, but I'm leaning towards the under here because I don't trust Adel. I still do not trust Atalanta, uh, away from home here to create a bunch of chances to go win this game and to go, you know, the, for this game to go over, uh, going to wait to see what the lineups look like and, and kind of see what the market does here. If we see a three and a quarter, I'm definitely on the under, uh, but right now, I'm passing with some potential leans. Don't look now. Barcelona has won one game in a row, and they are minus 165 favorites against uh, Benfica, who are plus 425 on the road. The draw is plus 330. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Group E, Bayern, they're in. They're, they punched their ticket as the top seed at 12 points. Barcelona at six. Benfica at four. Dinamo at one. So this game at Camp Nou is do or die. Whoever wins, uh, is going to move on. Obviously, Barcelona, uh, a draw kind of throws that in flux, but I'm not going to lay uh, minus 165 with this team. I don't trust them yet. I just don't trust them yet. Uh, it was obvious that uh, they've, they've moved on from Ronald Koeman. Uh, Xavi's in town. 
He wins his debut at a one nil nail butter over Espanol. Their offense is starting to cook uh, 1.61 expected goals on average uh, over their last eight matches. Uh, but they're running into a team that is a decent defensive side. The one thing I will say, I don't think I'm going to end up having a play on this match, but Barcelona is 50 to one to win the champions league. They're not good enough to do it, but it's just such a, it's so hard to look at that number and see Barcelona next to plus 5,000 uh, in this champions league. I don't, it, it takes a lot of self-control not to do it. I'm not going to do it. But uh, if they do win this match, that number is going to go down. So if you are a Barca believer, that is something to maybe keep in mind. Uh, BJ, uh, what are you seeing from this game? How are you playing it? Are you uh, buying Xavi in his first Champions League match behind the bench for uh, Barcelona? Uh, no, not necessarily. I'm going to go under three goals at minus 120. You know, they got the 1-0 win in a derby over Espanyol, but, you know, outside of the penalty that, you know, Depay converted, they didn't really do much. 0.96 expected goals on 13 shots. It's not very good against the bottom half of the table side. Even if we go back to the first two times, you know, uh, the first time Barcelona played against uh, Benefica, they only created 1.34 expected goals in the match and lost 3 nothing. But they have been improving defense improving defensively in La Liga. You know, they're uh, one of the best teams by expected goals. But the big thing for them in this match is that a lot of some of their best players are going to be out. You know, Pedri's been out for a while. Des is going to be out. Ansu Fati is out. Uh, Sergio Aguero, unfortunately, is going to have to retire from uh, soccer after sustaining a, um, a heart problem. But so I just, outside of Depay, I don't really know what... Barcelona is going to do going forward. And this is a really good defensive team from Benfica. If you take away the two matches against Bayern Munich, because obviously Bayern just inflated all of their numbers because they thrashed them both times. Uh, only 0.64 expected goals allowed per match. If you uh, combine their domestic campaign and their first two champions league matches. So this is a really good defense. I think Xavi uh, is going to play a little more defensive than, you know, past managers have uh, for Barcelona. So I do think that this is going to be, uh, a low scoring affair. Uh, I only have 2.45 goals projected for this one. So I like under three goals at minus 120. Yeah, we're, we're, it's going to take some time, obviously, for uh, Xavi to figure this team out. And like you said, there are some lineup concerns too. Anthony, what do you think the new manager is going to kind of instill in this team? Like it's, it's kind of hard to, to draw from, uh, you know, the, the UAE Premier League, whatever Middle Eastern League he was just. Uh, running roughshod through with with his team over there. But uh, do we have any inkling on how this team will set up and how betters can maybe use that uh, to their advantage? You know, we talk about new manager bounces, and I feel like we've had so many new managerial changes through the last two weeks because of the international break. Um, But the reality is that a lot of times managers get fired or sacked because you know, their team underperforms their actual numbers. And what we saw with Barcelona is that their attack was creating a lot of chances and not quite finishing them. So you're probably going to see positive regression, even if Xavi does absolutely nothing and just stands there and claps. Um, now his Al Saad teams uh, were not great defensively. They scored a lot of goals. They played pretty open. So I'm not sure what exactly we're going to expect. It's going to take some time. I think personnel wise, he doesn't have the personnel to be a good defensive team. I'm passing on this match. Specifically, I'm, I'm holding a Barca ticket on to advance, so I'm, I'm passing. Um, but I think there's going to be some goal scoring regression positively going forward. They have too much talent. They've created too many chances. The goals are coming, and they're going to start coming in bunches, I think. And we saw that against Celta Vigo. But what we also saw a few weeks ago uh, is that they still have serious defensive personnel issues that aren't going to be solved this year or maybe not even next year. Uh, and when they don't have the ball, they're really bad. So it's it's difficult to get a good read on them. But I think one thing you can almost certainly bet on without knowing anything about Xavi is that their offense is going to get better. It's going to regress positively and it's coming. The other match uh, in group E is a barn burner. Bayern, uh, like I said, top of the table at 12 points, 11 points behind them is Dinamo. Uh, Really have no chance of uh, making anything out of this Champions League season. They're 11 to one at home. Against Bayern Munich, who are minus four twenty-five, the draws uh, six to one. This is twelve forty-five kickoff on Tuesday. This is basically a meaningless game for everybody involved. Bayern is coming off a loss to to Augsburg on Friday uh, in a game that was the first time BJ has ever bet on them. So we should have known uh, to go for the the big money line there. At Augsburg was they twelve to one or so. Um, Bayern had 
you know, obviously a lot of people out on international break, then they play the first match back. So there were some, some things maybe that we, uh, we should have taken in obviously who in their right mind still would have bet against them in on the money line of that game, but they have lost some, some matches now to, to inferior opposition. Like I said, this match doesn't mean anything. You're going to see some squad rotation uh, from Bayern Munich. So it's, it's Dinamo or nothing to me. I don't think I'm going to do it. 11 to one BJ, are you going back to the well with Bayern, your new favorite team? Who cares? Let's move on. All right. Uh, they moving. technically have not clinched the group yet. They do need a point. Yeah, I don't uh, care. Let's move on. They're done. They could to lose me. by no. three. They could lose by three to Barca if they lost to Kia. I mean, we can yeah. do this all day, but this is they won the group. They but they but the exist. thing is, the thing is, Nagelsmann's not rotating for this match. Um, and so I don't think that, you know, you're going to get uh, a, a down spot here from Bayern. Maybe if they roll Osberg, you could say, oh, you know, they're going to be flat, but after they lose in that way, with that performance, uh, there will be no flat spot for Bayern, uh, happily passing here. Uh, so who yeah. cares? Yeah, we can move on. Uh, yeah. I, I just think you're, you're traveling. I'm sorry, far. BJ. <laughs> I, I, I could see, I could. Uh, let me just say this. Let me just say this. this one. Let me be done. Let me just, we'll be done with this. They don't exist to me anymore. Okay. I'm just going to block, block them out and act like they don't even exist unless they play PSG in the round in the knockout stage. And then I'll be putting all my money on them. All right. I'm, I'm currently Googling the Bayern schedule to see who we have this weekend. Oh, Armenia PL field. And then we have, we have Dortmund. So we've got the classic here coming up. So we'll be talking some more Bayern in the next couple of weeks. Great. Can't group, wait. Group G Salzburg, uh, seven points at the top. Lil five, Wolfsburg five, Sevilla three. Uh, Lil hosting Salzburg. Uh, Lil is plus one forty-five home favorite. Salzburg plus uh, two hundred. The draws plus two thirty-five. This is a three p.m. kickoff on Tuesday. Lil, uh, they're plus ex- ten expected goal differential in league, Ooh, but they're minus three goal differential in uh, in real life. So this team deserves a little bit uh, better results. I think that in this in this group, the group of draws, uh, the group of great defenses. It's hard for me to look away from the draw in this matchup, even with Salzburg, who do play uh, a style that's really not that conducive to betting on draws. So that's where I'm going, because I think Lil can hold them here. Uh, and I, I don't see either team being that risky, considering what uh, they need to advance uh, out of this matchup. Lil should be on the front foot because a win does greatly benefit them. But I just I think this match really has enough ingredients for a draw bet uh, for me. So the plus 235 uh, for this match to end in a tie, that's where I'm going. BJ, do you have anything on this one? Yeah, I like under two goals at even money. You know, Lil, they are playing a lot more high-scoring matches this season than they did last year, but the low-scoring matches are coming at some point because they're due for some uh, positive regression defensively. They've allowed 21 goals in league on, but they've been only off of 15.7 expected goals. And also they're only allowing 0.98 non-penalty expected goals per match, which is second in league un, and they're, they've allowed the fewest big scoring chances. So their defense is still good. Their teams are just shooting at an incredibly high rate against them. So that's going to fall off at some point. And yes, so if we go back to that last match against Salzburg, you'll see Salzburg 1-2-1, one, one, and they put up over two expected goals. Well, both their goals came off of penalties. And if we take away those two penalties, these two teams total, both of them combined, created 1.09 expected goals from open play. And like you mentioned, Michael Salzburg, obviously they play very open, but they can't really be the aggressor here. I don't see how they would just come out on the front foot, even though, you know, a win could clinch the group. They're probably gonna have to play pretty cautious early on and they might open up later in the match. And, you know, Lil's style of play in their 4-4-2 is not really conducive to playing on the front foot, open style of play. So uh, I do think this is gonna be pretty cagey uh, early on. We might see it open up later in the match, but um I only have two goals projected for this one. So uh, I'm going to trust my numbers and take under two and a half goals uh, at even money. The other uh, match in this one, Sevilla, they're minus 130 at home against Wolfsburg, plus 360. The draw is plus 280, 3 p.m. kickoff. I believe all three of us are on the same side. Anthony, can you tell the wonderful people listening where we're going? Uh, Sevilla, finally, they're going to win a match in this group, maybe. Uh, Who knows? Uh, they've been really flat in the Champions League. It makes not a ton of sense given how good of a tournament team they've been. Maybe it's they're only good in the Europa League, and we may have all missed that. Uh, but this is a classic buy low, sell high spot. Uh, we're getting Sevilla after a really bizarre loss at home to Lille. They conceded a dumb penalty, then they conceded another goal. 
uh, really blew that game after they were in control, completely dominated the first 35, 40 minutes, and then just totally turned on its head with a goal uh, from, from Leo. Uh, Wolfsburg have won three of four and draw on the fourth under new manager Florian Kohlfeldt. Uh, I want to thank him and send him a thank you card for those uh, couple of wins we had on Wolfsburg. But, um, you know, the performances have been better, but not good. Uh, they're still a very mediocre team going forward. Uh, they scored a great goal to beat Salzburg after uh, at home in the last match they played. They rolled Leverkusen, which was great, but they've played even with Osberg and Armenia Bielefeld, who were two relegation teams in the Bundesliga in the last two matches. Uh, Sevilla's defense has been very good when it's not conceding penalties. So hopefully they don't concede a penalty here. They've conceded five, I believe, in the Champions League so far, which is just absurd. There should be four. They've conceded four in the group stage this year. Uh, they've otherwise been excellent. But the thing is, this Wolfsburg attack. I mean, third fewest shots per 90 in the Champions League. Third fewest attacking area touches. Sevilla's getting a lot more shots, not a lot of high-quality shots. What we know about Sevilla generally is they like to get crosses into the box and turn those into shots. Uh they haven't quite come off, but I think they're close. Uh, and I think they will get one or two here and win this match at home, getting a good number projected minus 157. Uh, and so I like that up to 140, 145 and think in a must win spot at home, I'm backing Lopetegui and Sevilla. Yeah. And I mean, the Sevilla team's hilarious because we, we did tout them as a great tournament team coming in. And we, what do they do? They're running to the top of the table in La Liga and struggling in Champions League right now. Uh, BJ, you're on Sevilla. Tell the good people why. Yeah, this is a really, really good team. It just like Anthony said, they, for whatever reason, just haven't put the results together in the Champions League. You know, in La Liga, uh, plus 10.8 or 10, plus 10.18 non-penalty expected goal differential, which is second behind only Real Madrid. They're only allowing 0.73 non-penalty expected goals per match, second in shots allowed per 90, and big scoring chance allowed in La Liga. So really, really good defensive team. And the biggest thing uh, that I took away from their last match against Wolfsburg is Wolfsburg basically just created one big chance. They converted it and that was it. They only had five shots total in the match and Sevilla really controlled most of that match. They held 68% of the possession and really what Sevilla does well against opponents like Wolfsburg is they're very, very good against press. They're number one in La Liga in offensive passes per defensive action. Wolfsburg only had a 21.7% successful pressure rate that rate against them in the last meeting and Wolfsburg offensively, like Anthony mentioned, they haven't been that great. Only 1.26 non-penalty expected goals per match in the Bundesliga, which is eighth, 14th in big scoring chances, eighth in box entries uh, and only 3.4 expected goals in the champions league. And, you know, they're near, like Anthony mentioned, they're near the bottom in a lot of offensive metrics uh, in terms of all the champions league teams. So, uh, Perfect spot here, Sevilla. They have to win. They're plus 250 to advance, which I think is a pretty good number right now. Uh, but for this match, I have them projected at minus 171. So uh, I like them at minus 130. All three of us on Sevilla, uh, they're minus 130 at the moment. Let's move on to Wednesday. The headliner on Wednesday is pretty easy to pick out. That's Manchester City at home. Odds on minus 145 against uh, PSG, who are plus 380, the draw. Uh, plus 310. This is a 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, City, they're three to one favorites to win the Champions League. Bayern Munich, three and a half to one. PSG's five to one. Liverpool, plus 550. Chelsea, plus 750. United, uh, 16 to one. Uh, and then a whole host of teams in that mid tier behind them. It's City or nothing for me here. Uh, I don't trust PSG as far as I can throw them. I do trust Manchester City greatly. And I, I it really sucks that you, that betting is, a thing that isn't easy because I would just be great to just be able to bet on Manchester city all the time and kind of sit back and, and enjoy the show. We don't really get to do that often because they are priced out of, uh, out of whack here. They're really not. I, I'm still probably won't lay the minus minus one forty-five. I'll, I'll chase a, a, an alt number likely, you know, minus one, maybe minus one and a half, because I think they can get at this defense and score a bunch of goals. Uh, cities at nine points, the top of the group with PSG at eight. So, could be a little bit of an open game because PSG will will want to at least get a result out of this uh, and City will as well. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, I think this Manchester City team is just a couple tiers above uh, PSG at the moment. Uh, BJ, what about you? Yeah, this is the game of the year for me. Uh, I, I do not see how Man City doesn't walk away with all three points in this one. If we go back to that last match, yes, PSG beat them 2-0, but Manchester City won unexpected goals, 1.9 to 0.8. 
They had 47 touches in the penalty area compared to only 18 for PSG. 31 box entries compared to only nine for PSG. And if we combine the expected goals uh, with their last two semifinal matches uh, during the Champions League last year, Man City's outcreated PSG 3.93 to 2.53. And what's really annoying about PSG is that, yes, they're very good and they can dominate League on when they play teams that are way below them. But when we've seen in the Champions League in the past, when they have to play teams like Manchester City or Bayern Munich, those they cannot play open games with them. They are just not good enough defensively. They're not good enough to midfield to hang with those teams. And so for a situation like this, where they pretty much have to go for it and they have to win and they have to try to play an open game with one of the best teams in the world, how is that going to work? Because the last two times that they've played Manchester City, City has pinned them in. PSG has been forced to play two low blocks and they've basically had to just send Neymar and Mbappe and well now Messi out on the counter and hope that they do something uh, and create something offensively. PSG plays very arrogant this way because they basically say, hey, we're going to defend seven on seven on ten. And our three guys up top are good enough to save us. And in a match like this, that just doesn't work. It ha- it's sure they've shown it time and time again against Manchester City. They are just not good enough to play on their level with the defense in the midfield that they have. Five, through five, four matches, PSG minus 1.1 expected goal differential. Manchester City plus 10.4. It's even if we look at it domestically, Manchester City plus 19.57 expected goal differential through 13 matches, PSG only 11.54 in league on, which is five leagues below in terms of uh, UEFA coefficient dif- difficulty. Um, I have Manchester City projected at minus 242. 538 has them at 67%. I really just don't see how PSG is even going to hang in this match. They might get lucky and they might continue to infuriate me, but this is my game of the year. Manchester City in a route, but I'll take their money line minus 145. Anthony, you have the uh, inevitable, inevitable task of following that up. Yeah, I mean, I'll make the case for PSG, even though I'm also betting City. I mean, uh, they played really well defensively in the first leg uh, in Paris. Uh, Idrissa Ganagay, I thought, was the best player on the pitch. Donnarumma saved a bunch of really good chances and and overperformed in terms of what we expect from him. Uh, That's all somewhat repeatable. But like BJ mentioned, I mean, when you have the three best players, three of the five best players uh, in the world, uh, I'd argue, uh, you have a shot to beat anybody on any day. Because all it takes is two or three or one or two moments of combination between these supremely talented players to effectively chalk that and say, forget XG, like we can create two or three good chances and score enough to win this game. City, you know, notoriously doesn't have a reliable striker at the other end. So there's at the margins, like reasons you could make a case that PSG, uh, maybe the advanced metrics don't catch up with them, but I mean, you're, you're making a lot of excuses like I just did to make that case. And so I agree with BJ 100% here in terms of Manchester City being the dominant team, the team who's at home, who has a chance to make a statement here, who is in a revenge spot. PSG would probably take the point, uh, given that they have the much easier final fixture and maybe City will drop points at Leipzig, who knows. But uh, City here, ninth, uh, PSG has the ninth fewest shots per 90 in the Champions League. Uh, they were sixth, ninth fewest shot creating actions. Uh, and the one thing here that I really like is if City goes up and they score first, which can happen very easily and they're expected to do. PSG, like BJ mentioned, having to come out and play uh, similar to what happened in the Champions League at, in the semifinal second leg last year, plays into City's hands a little bit with guys like Foden and Grealish who are so good on the counter, so good in space, they can exploit PSG similar to how the smaller teams have exploited PSG in transition this season. We saw Club Bruges do it. We've seen multiple teams in Ligue 1 damage them in transition. I think it's very possible here. Game state makes a huge difference, but I think if you like City and you don't want to lay the juice, very similar to what I said about Chelsea, chase the alternate lines. Minus one and a half is plus 200. I might fire. I'm going to fire on minus one and a half. I may even fire on like a minus two and a half, uh, super all, you know, kind of a few bucks uh, because I think this is a, a setup. A lot of people are not happy with Pochettino at PSG right now. A lot of PSG fans don't think they're playing at their best. They don't have a tactical coherent system. Well, there's anybody who's going to exploit that. It's Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. And so I agree 100%. My number is 178. So not quite uh, as good as, uh, as as projected as BJ's or as 538 sees it. But again, still also show value on the citizens who somehow open minus 120 in this match. Uh, group A, uh, it's still up for grabs, right? It would take a, a miracle, but Club Bruges is still in it. 
Um, they're plus 255 uh, at home against Leipzig, who are plus 105 on the road. The draw is plus 265. Leipzig, they need two wins basically just to get to uh, Europa League ahead of Bruges. Whereas Bruges, you, this is a funny situation because getting into the Europa League out of this group is, is it a huge accomplishment for Club Bruges considering their competition, PSG, Man City, uh, and RB Leipzig. However, a win for Club Bruges in this match against a Leipzig team that has struggled in Champions League and, and took, has taken some time to figure out Jesse Marsh's system. Uh, if they do win this match, then they play PSG in a, and PSG loses to City, they play PSG in a winner advance into the knockout stage, which would be all sorts of pressure on PSG. And we know that how the Parisians uh, handle that. Um, that being said, I like Leipzig plus one Oh five. I think a uh, better team uh, this they they should be, they're playing better. The, their defensive numbers are still not great, but uh, this is a team that should score a lot of goals against uh, a club that has allowed 11.7 expected goals in uh, group play so far. Obviously the quality competitions through the roof. Uh, BJ, what about you? Do you think club Bruges can pull it off? I, I like Leipzig in this one. It honestly wouldn't surprise me if Bruges just came out and did the exact same similar game plan because all of Leipzig's problems under Jesse Marsh have just been in defensive transition. Their offense is still really, really good. They're averaging 2.08 expected goals per match. Twenty. They've already created 24 big scoring chances and are averaging 16.25 box entries in the Bundesliga. So they're playing at the level they were playing at last year. It's just they have new two new center backs and their defensive transition is just really really bad. And that's how Bruges basically beat them because RB Leipzig held 66% possession uh, and dominated pretty much the box score uh, against club Bruges. They had, you know, 30 touches in their penalty area, but Bruges just hit him on the counter if you one, two, one too many times and they won two, one. Um, I expect Bruges to play very defensive in this match. They basically only need a draw to send them to the uh, Europa league round of 16. Um but the thing is, Bruges hasn't been that great uh, domestically in Belgium. Uh, they only have two wins in the last seven matches and they're allowing 1.16 uh, expected goals per match, which is not good considering Belgium's, you know, 13th most difficult by UEFA coefficients. Um, and like you mentioned, 11.4 expected goals. Obviously, that's very inflated because of Manchester City. But from a price point and projection standpoint, I have RB Leipzig at minus 114. If you look at 538, I think they have them around uh, 59%. Uh, so I do think there is some value on Leipzig at plus one Oh five who absolutely 100% has to go for this match. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a fun head in the heart thing, right? Head says Leipzig heart says, I want Bruges to win just because if they pick off uh, PSG oh, in that, that'd, in be, that play, that'd, be, would, that'd be so good. Just so, so poetic. Uh, but this is betting, right? You got to wear the black hat and betting most of the time and, and bet against those kind of fun narratives. Right. Anthony. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I like Leipzig too. Uh, I'm not totally sold on this Bruce team who had a good performance. BJ is right, but Leipzig was playing much worse then than they are right now. If we look at Leipzig right now, uh, my projections make them minus 120 in Kunku. Kristen Kunku is in, the, is in the middle of a breakout year, 0.76 expected goals plus except expected assists per 90. Like BJ said, Leipzig's expected goals numbers are pretty similar going forward as they were last year but they're worse defensively. That remains true. But uh, in terms of trending in the right direction, I know they had a terrible loss to Hoffenheim that actually provides some value here. The look ahead line, Leipzig was minus. Now they're plus one Oh five. So you're getting about 15 cents difference uh, based on one bad game against Hoffenheim. And so I think anything plus money is good here on Leipzig. I am expecting them to be going in an all in spot here because the Europa League is still important for them. It's a competition that I think they might have an outside shot to really make a deep run and win uh, if they sort some things out in the next few months under Marsh. And so a win here pretty much puts them in the, a good spot for that. And um, that's where I'm looking. Moving on to Group B, Liverpool, they've punched their ticket as the group winners at 12 points. Porto, uh, they're in second with five. Atleti is four with, uh, in third place with four points. And AC Milan uh, with one point, they can still advance. Uh, they need two wins to do it and some luck. Atletico Madrid is minus 165 at home against AC Milan, plus 450 on the road. The draw is plus 310. It's a 3 p.m. kickoff. I think uh, this match also sets up, uh, has has enough ingredients for me to bet the draw. It's over uh, three to one, which I think when you're talking about Atletico Madrid, a team that plays a very structured game, uh, taking on another team that's got decent defensive numbers in uh, Syria. Uh, not great, but uh, Good enough. 
I, I think that uh, I don't really see many risks coming out of Atletico uh, in this match. I'm sure they should win it and they should try to win it. But uh, I just think that this, this could be a pretty pragmatic chess match. So I like the draw here. Uh, I, I think it'll be a pretty low event game. Anthony, uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm passing right now. Uh, I need to wait and see what the lineup's going to look like because I am not sure how seriously Milan's going to take this game. Uh, if they put a great lineup out there, I'm going to be on the plus one. If they don't, pass uh, because Milan is out of this, uh, basically. Uh, they know that, and they didn't really take their last game that seriously. They rested a bunch of guys. They did have a look ahead to the Milan Derby that Sunday, so you have to factor that in. Uh, Milan struggled badly with Porto, but if you go back to when these two teams played the first time, Milan was the better team in the first half. Red card changed the game. They were up a goal. Um, they had a bad loss at the weekend to Fiorentina. So I'm passing at the current number, but I think Edlady is overvalued if Milan puts their best players out. And I think the line is the way it is because they're expecting Milan to rotate and kind of not put their best guys out there. So for now, pass. BJ, uh, you, you and I have been burned by this Atletico Madrid team. Uh, time and time again, so you're you're gonna stay away from them this time, right? And take us somewhere else. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go under two goals, which is currently at even money. You know, AC Milan, it's very troubling and weird what's happening to them in the Champions League right now. Obviously, like Anthony mentioned, you know, they got the red card 30 minutes in against Atletico Madrid, which completely changed the match. But they're all, they obviously are putting up great offensive numbers in Serie A, which is a very traditionally you know high scoring open style of play from a lot of teams. And then they come to the Champions League and they've had to play two very structured defensive four four two type of teams in Porto and Atletico Madrid, and they've really really struggled. They have in four matches they have a total of twenty six shots and thirty three shot creating actions. That is dead last of anybody in the Champions League. That includes Malmo. That includes Dinamo Kiev. That includes Sheriff they are dead last in pretty much every single offensive metric that we look at here in the champions league. Uh, And Atletico Madrid is playing very, very good defensively uh, against open play. They're only allowing 9.17 non-penalty expected goals uh, through 13 matches. Um, They've had some bad luck on some penalties, uh, some bad luck on some set pieces, but you know, their expected goals on set pieces is much better than what their actual results are. Um, Atletico really, you know, they haven't been that dominant offensively, uh, both domestically and the Champions League, only 1.46 expected goals for match in La Liga, only 4.7 expected goals through four Champions League matches. And, you know, that includes them being up, you know, 60 minutes and uh, a fluke penalty against AC Milan. Uh, Milan's been very good defensively in Serie A, only 0.93 non-penalty expected goals per match allowed, which is second uh, in the league. And, you know, I just... If Milan really doesn't care about this match at all, they're probably just going to sit back and probably play defensively and just hope for, you know, uh, a result, at least get a point on the board. So uh, I only have 2.22 goals projected for this match. So uh, I'm going to take a shot on under two and a half goals at uh, even money. The other match at Group B, Liverpool minus 105 uh, at home against Porto plus 275. The draw is plus 285. Another 3 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, Liverpool has nothing to play for here. Uh, so I'm assuming, especially coming off a pretty high, highly emotional win over Arsenal uh, over the weekend that Jurgen Klopp, who is never has a problem playing, you know, like a Liverpool U23 team in these kind of spots, uh, will will basically do just that. Um, and that that is definitely baked into the number here, right? Like this is uh, a number that probably should, if Liverpool had something to play for, would probably be like minus 160 or something. Uh, it would be a lot higher than this. Uh, so. Uh, it's Porto or nothing for me. I don't really think that uh, there's really that much reason to get involved. Anthony, uh, I believe you're going the other way, though. I like Liverpool. Yeah, uh, I'm waiting to bet this because I'm going to wait to see if we get any news in terms of who's going to play, who's not going to play. But Klopp said early November, after they won their last match against Atleti that clinched the group, he said there may be some minor changes, but do not expect wholesale overhaul of the team. Now he said that, do I believe everything he says? No. So I'm going to wait, but you know, pay close attention, follow me in the app. Uh, this will be out Monday morning. We'll probably have some more news on who is and who isn't going to play Monday to into Tuesday ahead of the Wednesday game. I'm going to be looking to play Liverpool because at home, Porto has had terrible success in the past against the Reds. This is a fundamental mismatch in terms of style of play because Porto doesn't really have an ability to play out against the Liverpool pressure. They're not very good against it. I like Liverpool a lot 
at that number. Now, obviously the number's wrong. If Liverpool plays a full team, the market is clearly indicating there's going to be some overhaul, but Liverpool's squad depth is better than it's been in years past. It's better than it was last year or two years ago. And they've had a lot of injuries as is. So they've gotten a lot of players rotated in through the team. And so I'm not sure the drop-off is that big either. Obviously with the front three, maybe, but after that, the midfield, the defense, there's some room for drop-off and and some rotation guys to get in there without a huge issue. And I think Liverpool, you know, is just a little undervalued here, given what we don't know about who's going to play and given that Klopp indicated he might play most of his starters. Yeah, one thing I'll say is that if we go back to um, when Liverpool won the Premier League title, they they won it basically with like eight matches left. Uh, it was you know during the, obviously the the pandemic, but like Anthony mentioned, Cop he did he played all of his starters. Like he consistently was just like, no, 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 we're just going to continue to play our starters through and through. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if if he came out with a big match because I'm pretty sure they don't have a very difficult uh, Premier League match coming up this weekend. So um, I, I wouldn't shock me at all if he just went you know full tilt. Uh, uh, especially at home, you know, uh, with all the starters. So uh, I'm with Anthony and I'm going to Anthony that uh, I'm going to pass for now, but uh, if it comes out that, you know, Mane and Salah and Jota are all starting up top, then I think it's going to be a Liverpool play at, uh, you know, at minus 115. Liverpool hosts Southampton at the weekend. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So kind of difficult, but not really. The chaos and conspiracy theory would be that Liverpool, uh, does lay down and, and plays a inferior lineup to get Porto through uh, because of their mini burgeoning rivalry with, with uh, Atleti over the past couple of years. Let's move on to group C. They're, they're also interested in, in uh, Porto's striker. Um, and so they're trying to get a deal done in January for Diaz. Uh, and, you know, maybe, Hey, we'll, we'll throw this match, help you out. Uh, that's definitely not something I'm considering, but like, you know, if you but want if to get he scores backroom, against them, you want to get in the backroom deals. Then it gets well, if he scores, right. then his price goes up, right? That's also true. Yeah, let's, we're not going to get it to Luis Diaz, who, who, by the way, Everton should have signed a long time ago and then failed at it. Uh, sporting, uh, plus 190, taking on Dortmund. This is Group C. Ajax at the top. They're 12 points. Dortmund at six. Sporting at six. Besiktas at zero. So this is a huge match. Uh, sporting, uh, they're plus 190. At home, Dortmund plus 140. The draw is plus 250. We know what this Dortmund team kind of is at this point. They are all over the place defensively, but they can score six goals uh, in the blink of an eye when they're when they're firing and all fit. I think, though, I kind of like this match uh, to be a, a draw. I think is once again this is another uh, match where I think that uh, you're going to see a team uh, like Sporting is not going to play into Dortmund's hands. Like they're going to make sure that this is a slog and uh i don't i'm not too terrified of betting a a dortmund draw is is very very frightening but in this kind of game state and this with these stakes i don't really think it's uh it's a terrible bet so i'll i'll go after that one i i'm gonna probably bet a small one on the draw i don't think it's that much value uh it's it's gonna be a, a fun one to to watch just because of the stakes involved um bj what about you yeah, you mentioned that, uh, you know, this match being a slog. The last time these two met, it was an absolute slog. Uh, Dortmund won zero win, but only a total of 0.71 expected goals created by both sides in this one. And Erling Holland was out for that one. He's going to be out again for uh, this match. And Dortmund struggles offensively when he's not on the pitch. Uh, this year, Dortmund only averages 1.4 expected goals per match without him on the field. When he's on the field, 2.35 expected goals per match. So he makes a huge Huge difference for their offense. Like you mentioned, Sporting traditionally sets up very defensively. Now, obviously, if you look at expected goals and you look at what they've done so far, you'll see they have 8.6 created through four matches. Well, 7.4 of eight of those were against Besiktas. So they only created 1.12 against Ajax and Dortmund. And I am expecting them to play very defensive and kind of struggle to create something offensively going forward in this one. Um, You know, Sporting defensively this season, uh, they've only allowed eight expected goals uh, domestically in Portugal through 11 matches. Um, so they are a very good defensive team without Holland on the field. I think this over under is a tad inflated. Uh, I have 2.52 goals projected for this one, and that's without uh, factoring in, you know, the the Holland bump. Uh, so I do think there's some value on under two and a half goals at plus 115. 
Uh, the other match of Group C is Besiktas at home. They're plus 550 against Ajax, who are minus 210. The Dress plus 380. Uh, I mean, you, you semantics, you, you could say Besiktas, they, they could win, you know, 12 nothing and then win again 12 nothing in advance if every other thing goes their way. But uh, or they could get into the Europa League, I guess, if, if, if all that goes away. But basically, neither of these teams have anything to play for, which makes it very complicated to handicap. Uh, I do wonder if Ajax will just basically not send anybody to Turkey. And if that's the case and you want to just watch the match and it is because it is a 1245 kickoff, maybe you want to bet Besiktas as a huge home uh, underdog. It would be funny if that if this is the game that slows down uh, Ajax. But other than that, uh, I don't really think there's too much to get involved in here. What about you, BJ? Yeah, one thing I'll say, this is a, well... I want to say it's a pass for me, but uh, I'm inching and inching closer to playing Bashitas. You know, a spread of plus one or plus one. I have Anthony shaking his head. He doesn't. Don't do it. No, I I kind of want to because don't do it. The thing about it is, is that that first match Bashitas had nobody. They like had eight starters out. So obviously, Ajax dominated them. Ajax has absolutely nothing to play for. I do think this line is a tad overinflated. And if you look at Ajax domestically, they're tied uh, with PSV uh, in the area to be So they kind of have to, at this point, like focus on their domestic campaign and actually winning another title. Whereas this match, you know, going to Turkey, it doesn't really mean anything. Now, Bashidis is horrible. Like they are really, really bad defensively. But, you know, if they actually have a, a full lineup of players out there and Ajax gets steamed to minus 300, minus 320, which is not out of the realm of possibility. I, I could be playing, you know, Bashitas plus one and a half at home or something like that. But, you know, I, I don't really want to. But, you know, at, one, at some point we got to play numbers here. Yeah. And, and it is interesting, right? Ajax is minus 210 on the road in a game that doesn't matter to them at all. And we just talked about Liverpool, who are minus 105 at home in a game that doesn't matter to them at all. And I know Porto is a much, much better team than uh, Bashitas is and has a lot more to play for than them. But it's just. Uh, interesting. So, yeah, I do think it's it's Besiktas or nothing uh, if you are uh, right in the head here. Uh, Group D, uh, we will wrap up with them. Real Madrid there at the top at nine points. Inter Milan, seven points. Sheriff Tiraspol, six points. Shakhtar at one point at the foot of the table. Uh, Sheriff are 10 to one home underdogs against Real Madrid, uh, who are minus 400 on the road. The draw is plus 550. Real Madrid, of course, famously lost to Sheriff in uh, the first fixture between these two sides. So they will be coming to uh, the disputed territory of Transnistria with revenge on their minds. Is that enough for you to lay minus 400, Anthony? No, but I'll go back to my well on the Sheriff first half unders. Uh, Sheriff has a ton of attacking regression coming. They are overperforming their expected goals by more than almost every team in the entire Champions League thus far. I think they've scored almost all their goals from outside the penalty area uh, or or on low quality chances. Uh, they have not created many good scoring chances. They they had a wonderful free kick, scored a late goal against Inter uh, in a console and a consolation goal. Uh, I think they can hold out here at home, though, for a half. I think the defense eventually will wear down, similar to what happened against Inter. They'll eventually find the breakthrough Real Madrid. Uh, Despite defensive issues for Real Madrid, always dangerous to back one of their unders. Uh, Don't see Sheriff scoring here. Pretty pretty luck box attack. Uh, And Real's attack continues to be running hot. They scored four goals against Granada at the weekend. I think they'll win here, but I think it'll be some resistance in the first half, and then they pull away in the second half. BJ, you, you see this one as, as low scoring as well, right? Yeah, I'm going to go full game under three and a half. Box score of Sheriff uh, Real Madrid last match is quite hilarious. Uh, an all-timer. An all-timer. Three, Real Madrid, 3.2 expected goals to 0.35. They outshot Sheriff 30 to four, completed 632 passes compared to only 177 for Sheriff. But what I will say is that even though Real Madrid had 30 shots in the game, they only created one big scoring chance the entire match. And also their only goal came off a penalty. So this is also a Real Madrid team. We've been talking about for a long time. That's due for a lot of negative regression offensively. Now, do I think it's going to come in this match. Maybe not really, but you know, Sheriff is going to set up very defensively. They, you know, outside of a shocking, you know, shock tar win over inter. Uh, and if they lose Real Madrid, that's the only path that, you know, Shakhtar has of, knocking them out of the round of 16 for the Europa League, which I'm guessing they're going to be focused on over actually, you know, uh, trying to qualify for the Champions League round of 16, which doesn't look very likely right now. But 
Hey, if they pull off another upset, they can definitely, you know, potentially get there. But uh, yeah, I see Sheriff setting up very, very deep, very, very defensive, basically just trying to drag this match out as long as they possibly can, which is basically the blueprint for all the minnows in the champions league, which, you know, it worked for Sheriff in the first match. So uh, maybe it'll work again, but I highly doubt it. Uh, if you're consistently getting outshot by 26 shots, uh, it's very hard to continually win like that. So um, yeah, I think it's also, I, you know, I, I looked at the forecast for a uh, tier spool. It's going to be below freezing, but again, you know, Real Madrid uh, just routed shocked her in freezing temperatures the last time uh, they had to play in the cold. So I guess it doesn't really matter to them anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, I only have 2.64 goals projected for this one. So I do like under three and a half goals at minus 120. When the government uh, gets their hands on BJ Cunningham's computer, because he is a, a, someone who bets college football as well as soccer, and they're going to see him looking up weather in you know Colorado Springs. And then I live on the Mold- weather channel. And when, yep. I live has, on the weather channel and uh, windy.com. Yeah. It's going to, they're going to be like, this guy really, really, really loves uh, weather patterns, but only in some really weird areas. All right, uh, let's wrap it up with the final match. That's Inter Milan, uh, minus 300 at home against Shakhtar, 8-1. to one. The draw is plus 475. Like, we, like I said, Shakhtar's at the foot of the table. They need to win uh, to even have a chance of getting into the Europa League. Inter, uh, they sh- if they do win, they should be in very, very, very good shape of advancing uh, in the Champions League. I- I've got nothing on this one. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go both teams to score minus 120 here. This is all about Shakhtar attacking offensive uh, numbers, projecting them to be better than they've been thus far. Uh, They've been the biggest disappointment in the entire group stage, but they haven't been quite as bad as their numbers suggest when you look at their expected goals versus their actual goals. They've created a lot of chances and missed a lot of big scoring chances. They really were a bit unfortunate to only get one at Real Madrid. I thought they were better than that and, and probably deserved uh, a second as well. They had multiple chances break down at the very last, you know, chance against Inter. They created a few offset pieces as well when they played them in the reverse fixture. Uh, I think this sets up to be a very open game, whereas Shakhtar has nothing to play for, nothing to lose, could get open. We tend to see defenses get worse more than attacks get worse when when we take meaning out of a soccer game uh, in terms of implications. And so both teams score here minus one twenty. Always need a good BTTS when it comes to a Champions League match. Uh, I haven't had any of this round, so let's do it. Both teams to score. Enter and Shakhtar. BJ, uh, the Shakhtar team has also cost us quite a lot of heartbreak. Uh, I'm not going back to them, but you're, you're a stronger man than I am. Yeah, well, I didn't take them against Real Madrid. It might be one of those biggest regrets of my life. Um, they looked much better. Um, only, you know, only lost expected goals battle 1.97 to 1.29 created two big scoring chances against Real Madrid's defense. And if we go back to that match, uh, against Inter, like Anthony mentioned, they were the better side in that match. They, uh, had 66% possession, uh, and had completed over 300 more passes than Inter did. They just weren't clinical in the final third. Uh, you know, this is an Inter squad that is obviously humming offensively right now, you know, 1.93 non-penalty expected goals per match. Uh, number one in big scoring chances, third in shots per 90 in Syria. Ah, but there are a little bit of some question marks with Inter's defense. They're 10th in Syria in shots allowed per 90. Uh, and they're a team that's really used to having the ball, uh, considering they're dead last in total pressures and 15th in ball recoveries uh, in Syria. So if Shakhtar is able to control uh, a large share of the possession and just be more clinical in the final third, they can definitely pull off an upset here. So you know, Shakhtar has also been in really good form uh, in Ukraine, uh, won their last five matches by a combined score of 17 to five, averaging 2.01 expected goals per match domestically. Uh, I only have Inter at minus 223. So uh, I do think they're a tad overvalued here. So I like Shakhtar plus one and a half at minus 110. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. All right. Uh, we'll bring this uh, show to a wrap with our favorite bet of match week five in the Champions League. I like Villarreal. I think you're getting a pretty good number to go against Manchester United who are being the prices being inflated on because they let go of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So I'll go against the new manager bounce via Real, the yellow submarine at home. Uh, they're plus 185 right now. That number might tick up as more people bet into uh, the new manager bounce for United. BJ, what's your favorite bet this week? Manchester City minus 145 against PSG. Manchester City was really unlucky to lose in Paris the last time these two met. Uh, they won on expected goals 1.9 to 0.8. They 
They basically lived inside PSG's final third. And that's the biggest thing in this match is that PSG is a team that's really used to having the ball, especially in league on when they can dominate some of the smaller sides, but we've seen it consistently in champions league past when they have to face a team like Manchester city or Bayern Munich, they're not going to uh, have a large share of the possession. And if they want to try to play an open game with Pep Guardiola, that's just a nightmare matchup for them because they're very average in the midfield, very average defensively. And Manchester City consistently in the Champions League has dominated possession, lived inside PSG's final third. And I think that'll be another similar match because PSG plays very arrogant when they have three of the best attacking players in the world because those three don't defend. So basically what you're saying is we're trying to try to defend seven on 10 against one of the best attacking teams in the world. And they're not going to be able to do any build-up play either because, you know, Manchester City's press getting them forward is going to force Dinarama to send it long and just hope that Mbappe, Messi, or Neymar can create something. And if Manchester City scores first here and this game turns open, uh, it's a nightmare matchup for PSG. So uh, I have Manchester City projected at minus 242. So uh, I love them at minus 145. Anthony, bring it home. Yeah, RB Leipzig plus 105 on the money line. Project them to be minus money favorites here. You're getting a little bit of extra value because they got thumped at the weekend by Hoffenheim, lost 2-0 on the road. That shifted this line. They were minus 110, now they're plus 105. I think it's a bit of an overreaction. We look at Leipzig. They lost to Bruges the first time these two teams met in Leipzig. Leipzig was playing much worse than they were less organized defensively. They were not quite firing. But the emergence of Christopher and Kunku, the emergence of... Uh, so as well makes them a better attacking team, one that can overwhelm uh, Club Bruges here. And I think given that they're still playing for Europa League spot, there's still quite a bit on the line here. Marsh will want to keep them in Europe to help secure his job. Leipzig should not be plus money here. They're a much better team. And that's why I like them to win this game, take all three points and potentially secure their spot in Europa League for the remainder of the season. All right, uh, that'll do it for another edition of Wonder Goal. Uh, we will be back on Thursday for our Premier League episode. Until then, please review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you do that, leave your Twitter handle in uh, the review and you will automatically be entered into a contest to win a soccer jersey of your choice. That contest will wrap at the end of this month. So for BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Lee Buff. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys.